1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil.
3: And welcome to the Top 10 of Anything podcast.
2: Let's start the
1: countdown. 10. 9.
3: Sporting glory can come in an instant. It can create history, legends and heroes. Sometimes those special sporting moments can also cause heartbreak and turn icons into villains. We are going to reveal our top 10 sporting moments, but first, and I'm so happy to say, here's Neil with 10 sporting moment facts.
2: Thank you very much, Pav. So here we go. Did you know golf is the only sport to have been played on the moon? In 1935, Jesse Owens broke the three world records and tied another in 45 minutes. Owen broke the world record for the 220-yard dash, the 220-yard low hurdles, and then running broad jump and equaled the world record for the 100-yard dash.
1: Michael shakes the finger!
2: Tiger Woods made his first hole-in-one at the age of eight years old.
3: This is really unbelievable.
2: The chances of making a hole-in-one are 12,500 to 1 and 2,500 to 1 for professionals. We all remember 1966 as a great sporting moment, but did you know only six of all the World Cups have been won by the host country? Now the most watched sporting moment was the opening of the Beijing Olympics with an estimated 4 billion plus tuning in. I think it's
3: all over. It is better. It's
2: four. The longest tennis, ma- tennis match took place in 2010 at Wimbledon where John Isner of the United States defeated Nicolas Mahout of France in a match that lasted 11 hours and 5 minutes and spanned over 3 days.
1: Have you seen anything
2: like that? S- uh, Super Bowl can always create great sporting moments, but did you know on average more than 100 children are conceived annually at the Super Bowl parking lot during tailgate parties? <laughs> Manchester
3: City is still alive here.
2: When Babe Ruth hit his 700th home run, creating a fine moment in sport, he had to pay a fan to get his defining moment ball back. Balotelli! <laughs> and ESPN ran a poll for the greatest ever sporting moment, <laughs> and Michael Jordan's three-second-to-winning shot against the Cavaliers in 1989
3: came top. Aguero! <laughs>
2: I couldn't resist. I'm sorry,
3: Ollie. I'm sorry. I knew that was coming. <laughs> uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our top ten sporting moments, and um, I just had to do it. Couldn't help myself. I'm so sorry. Um, but la- no, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number thirty-third. We are thirty-third oh, in no. the Guatemalan comedy charts, ladies and gentlemen. So I just thought I'd have to say that. Well, that's funny. Um, I'm going
2: on holiday there this year. Well,
3: they're gonna know who you are, Neil. They're gonna know who you are. <laughs> the
4: Beatles getting off the plane.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> to the three.
3: He'll be people. there with his crutch, he'll go like that and he'll just topple down the stairs. Um, great meal the
2: knees
3: (laughs) indeed first of all we want to say uh hello to neil it's lovely to have you back it's great to
2: be back thank you very much
3: good and uh what what i mean what a perfect one to come back on because ladies and gentlemen joining us tiktok and instagram star is ollie hello ollie how are we doing guys we right we're all right. <laughs> I mean you are you are our um our go to guy for sporting stuff now. I have
4: to say you're no, our no, sports no, correspondent. No, no pressure then. It's uh it's a dangerous thing for me to come by because if you see my TikTok videos, it's anything but sports <laughs> knowledge. It's more just a lot of uh posh swearing, but um there we go.
3: I was gonna say he's also the man that holds the records for the most swearing in per five minutes of uh, TikToks, <laughs> I think. Yep. Um, I've I've never heard anybody swear that much, but I must admit, you have to go and check out if you love as also if you love sport, if you love sticker albums. Ollie is your man. Ollie mm. is your man. Very we'll delve idea. into that a little bit later on as well, if that's all right, Ollie. Absolutely,
4: no worries. Because I'm I'm assuming that it's all going very very well. Is yeah, I'm I'm keeping busy put it that way. Been, Are you? Uh, I won't bore you too much, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, oh no,
3: I find it fascinating because I must admit, because the, the the last video I watched of yours, you were opening a nineteen seventy eight pack, I think it was.
4: Yeah, so I suppose brief brief history. I kind of sports history is kind of my niche, but I do that on TikTok through the medium of football stickers and football sticker packs. Um, so I kind of from all around the world, I spend most of my week sourcing these very very rare random football stickers. The seventies, eighties, nineties, and yeah, I opened one from nineteen seventy-eight a couple of weeks ago, and we found Trevor Francis's first ever sticker from Birmingham City. Obviously, the first of a million-pound player. Yeah. Uh, for those listening abroad, and um, yeah, it's moments like that that's been sealed for fifty years, and uh, I just—it's ridiculous. You can still find these legends, and they're proper like it's probably like a storage hunter moment. I think that's why people seem to like it.
3: Yeah, I must admit because I I, I listened to that. Oh, I watched that, and I I thought to myself, God, I feel old, because you were saying, there's probably a lot of people here I'm not going to remember. I'm not going to know who they are. It seems like with you, with 90s music and maybe 2000s music, i got no idea for 2000s music, but it's all about age, isn't it? But I find it fascinating because there's some... I mean, I, I used to have, the, I'm sure you did, Neil, didn't you? have the old Panini oh, God, uh, yeah.
2: sticker albums when you were little and stuff. And- Funnily enough, I sort of got into them a little bit again when my, my lad was young back in the early 2000s. But the only way my lad would do it is you it, used, used to get the album free in a newspaper, didn't you? That's right, in, like, yeah. I don't know whether they still do that or not because I don't buy newspapers. But yeah, you got the album. We, we got well into it, but I realised that we were spending far too much money. Mm, <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> t- t- tell me about it. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> well I was gonna say,
3: because you did say that the seventy-eight nineteen seventy-eight pack was a lot of money.
4: So what are you buying them off eBay? Are you, I'm assuming? Yeah, from all over eBay. I'm now part of like groups on Facebook and Instagram, and um I had to get like a I got a whole box of uh stickers from that been sealed since um nineteen eighty-eight. So wow. hundred packs sealed since nineteen eighty-eight. And uh, we opened those on TikTok and you found like Alex Ferguson, Brian Robson, Paul Gascoigne, you got all the legends in there. And um it's I'm kind of like the old man of TikTok, if that makes sense, because it's a young person's <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I get all these middle-aged people, people, you know, twice my age who kind of like have found me and go, Oh, I remember Trevor Francis or wherever it may be. Mm. So it's quite nice in that respect. And because I like I like a lot of sixties music, a lot of my cultural references are like film-based in the eighties, and then a lot of my music taste is like sixties, nineties, whatever else. So I'm probably a lot older in my mentality than my 31 mm. year old self so i i am a you know, perfect episode to come back on i love sports history as well and it's that's how i kind of have built an audience up i guess yeah um but yeah. it's nice it's a nice community everyone i've been invited to do lots of podcasts go to events and stuff so um yeah i never thought from posting one video randomly this time last mm. year all this would happen in the space of 12 months and uh, now i've got my own business and yeah it's uh ticking off Fantastic. So, what when
2: you've opened the packet, what do you do with
4: the sticker itself? Ninety-nine um, percent of them are absolute rubbish. You think who? Who the hell is that person from 2002? Played for Sunderland, um, but some of them are worth a lot of money. Uh, I think the most famous one was a Pele 1958 Sweden v- variation that sold for 1.3 million dollars. Wow. Um, Lionel, this this has happened last week. So from the 2022 World Cup. There was an American 2022 Messi panini variant that sold for 158 thousand um, dollars. So
2: that's just in the sticker form, obviously.
4: That just, just, just a sticker by itself. Um, right. I think over over COVID, this kind of hobby popularised itself even more. You might have seen the Pokemon mm. cards and the news and yeah, yeah. all that kind of. So that basically it's the same as that. You can get them professionally graded and like implanted, a bit like that picture frame kind of thing. Yeah, and um, and then they kind of yeah, they kind of raise raise in value. Wow. Time,
3: fascinating. Well, we'll put the link in the show notes to your TikTok. Not that you need our help, obviously. I mean, well, I mean how many how many followers you got now?
4: Think hundred and fifty thousand, nearly. Jeez, yeah. Louise! Getting there,
3: getting there. Fair play, <clears> well <throat> done. Anyway, we're here to sort out our top ten sporting moments. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I was putting my top ten together, I actually put specific moments from matches. As opposed to like a whole general Liverpool winning a cup or whatever it is, so I don't know how you guys have got gone into your top ten. So, Ollie, what was your criteria for a top ten sporting moment?
4: Um, yeah, I've kind of mixed it a bit because okay, this is my criteria that I can kind of explain myself. So, I thought it had to be culturally relevant today, um, referenced in pop culture, and still spoken about today as well. Um, as I'm sure we'll go on to, and it's got to be sublime. It could be sublime. It could be tragic. Yeah. Uh, these, these, these moments that define the sport and maybe even resulted in the sport being changed, uh, for the better. Um, or it, that's kind of, if it's a tragic kind of thing, but also the making of an icon, a defining moment for a sport sportsman or a sportswoman at the highest level. Um, something that's constantly replayed on shows referenced all the time in, uh, in like commentary or punditry and something that is unlikely to ever happen again so that was my criteria and yeah it did result in it resulted in moments but also specifics as well right. within that either match or uh whatever it may have been
2: okay neil what are you well i'm quite similar to that i've got moments that are personal to me where i think of them as great sporting moments because they're relevant to what was going on at the time or what happened at the time same but also i've um um I, i'm not so much just moments within a match it will be if i talk about a football match per se it will be about that football match itself there are moments from in the football match that i have mentioned but i i haven't just gone for football i've tried to vary it up and give myself a oh, challenge yeah. to find a lot more yeah uh different sports to that i remember and that's when i found out that hang on i can remember these personal moments uh uh for instance one of them is very personal and i thought well let's let's bring that because it still holds a high um esteem in my in my mind you know i think about it a lot and it's one of the happiest days of my life so Mm -hmm. wonderful
4: well let's crack on uh ollie give us your number 10 number 10 we're going to start tragic and things will lighten up but i'm it, it took me a while to come up with this list i spent all day i'm in an r-ring i've changed it about several times and i'm going to contradict myself massively (laughs) in every single one um but i've gone with um airton center's 1994 crash at imola um i think f1 now is probably a bigger sport thanks to the netflix netflix series which is why Mm -hmm. i've kind of put it in i've kind of not um stayed away from american sports i suppose i have stayed away from american sports because i think they're a lot of the time, they're only popular in North America. So I've tried mm. to kind of go for the broader sports in my list. Um, but it was a defining moment in Formula One, in racing. I think it indirectly resulted in the halo, halos we have today, kind of, it was, although it took 20 years. Mm. Um, and it's not often that you get someone who's in their prime, who is injured, tragically dies yeah. in their prime. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just doesn't happen too often and I, I can't think of any other there must be other examples but that's one I could, could think of and he, he, he was absolutely brilliant as well the Senate documentary I don't know if you yeah. guys have seen that but it was an immaculate Oscar wedding piece and again it's still referenced Imola is famous for that reason now as well and he wasn't the only person to die that weekend Roland Ratzenberger, the Austrian died in uh, qualifying was it And um, that's right yeah um, yeah, and it's a shame that what's happened to Michael Schumacher more recently as well. It's, it's era-defining. It happened in the nineties as well, and you felt like it, that was a kind of the end. The nineties for me were at the end of that era of danger, fast-paced TV, risky kind of business mm. in all walks of life. And uh, motorsport was definitely one of those where it was just at the end of becoming quite uncomfortable to watch sometimes. And yeah. um, him going through. Happened that day, and everyone else in F1 having to witness that as well. We've spoken about for decades.
3: I was but, on my honeymoon. That that you're joking? No yeah, way. I was. We was married on the Saturday, and then we were in uh, Stratford upon Avon, and that happened on the Sunday. Yeah, we were no sat way. in a, we were sat in a little cafe restaurant, and I can remember someone coming in because obviously it was before mobile phones and stuff like that. Someone came in and went, "I've just heard that Ed and Senna died." and I went, who's out And sent I thought, oh, yeah, no, I knew he I is. I'm not a big Formula no. One fan, but uh, yeah, it was shocking. That was, yeah, absolutely. But it's
2: one of those defining moments that I think everybody knows about, even yeah. if you follow the sport or not, because I, I don't mm. follow um, Formula One. Um, it's, not really, it's not really my sport. But, it, you know, you watch the documentary and it appeals to, the documentary appeals to everybody, even if they know the sport or not, which is great. And it's one of, like I say, defining moment in sport. That mm. most people know about.
3: Totally agree. Totally agree. um I was going to say, great one to start off, but you're not. <laughs> <new>. <laughs> no, I've, just, I've, set, I've set the tone.
1: You have, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> you did. Did. It um, gets better for me.
2: You're, you're number 10. So this is, um, this is a personal sporting moment and it's just about where the whole family came together. And it was the last time, like when my great grandparents were all still, you know, most of them were still alive. And, um, and it was the big daddy versus giant haystack, oh. on the 18th of <laughs> June, 1981. Um, but I think I remember it more, not so much for the match. I had to sort of get my parents' help to when this big party was and we all. The whole family watched this match. It became the match that we had to watch. Because they were iconic TV back then. You you Damn. had to watch the big matches. Um, and that's why it resonates and sticks with me. Um don't remember a lot about the match per se. But I just remember easy, easy. The- <laughs> yeah. That's what he used to say. Uh, but it's sad that obviously Dickie Davis died not so long ago. He used he to did. present the world of sport, yeah. didn't he? Um so yeah and any American people watching this is real wrestling
3: yes indeed I'm assuming you're a bit you're a bit too young for this aren't you Ollie for
2: Giant
4: Haystacks and Big Daddy yeah I know who they are in fact one of my friends growing up used to live next door to Big Daddy
2: wow
4: um, <laughs> in, I can't remember, it must be in Birmingham it was something like that um, but when he moved down here he was telling me about it and we, we were both wrestling fans like mm. um, WWE and WWF and that kind of stuff so yeah we know we know about it and I used to watch the, the World of Sport documentaries and stuff Mm. And um, it was hilarious. The grannies with their uh, all the handbags and Um, stuff—absolutely hilarious.
2: Became a real sort of thing. Everybody seemed to enjoy it, and as as I recall, my friends and at that time, there all the family used to sit down to watch these shows or whatever you want to put put it to. But. Yeah, they were great fun. They were great fun. That is a good one. God, and that takes members. me back.
3: What year was that? 1981, did you say? Yeah, that? 18th of June was the exact match that, I remember, uh, that I'm relating it to. Wow. Okay, uh, my first one, it's not actually a sporting moment, but it has a sporting icon uh, at the Olympics. And it's uh, Muhammad Ali with the Olympic torch uh, in Atlanta 1996. Um, like I say, it's not an actual sporting moment, but I think it meant so much because um, he was obviously very ill at the time mm. um, and, and and was given the torch to light the torch to start the... I think it was to start. It wasn't to finish it, wasn't it? It was to start, to start, to, it, yeah. to start the Atlanta uh, Olympics. And it doesn't matter whenever I watch that, just that one clip. And there's a lot of YouTube clips that have a lot of sporting moments, but you see that one bit. And it's, I mean, it's just heartbreaking because he was a guy that was... He was always on, you know, he was just one of those legendary figures that always had an answer for something, was always very dynamic. And, you know, I love watching his um, uh, interviews with Michael Parkinson back in the 70s and stuff, and he was so quick. And to see sort of like the shadow of the man there, but just so defiant in just being able to lift that torch up, I think it's just an astounding sporting moment because he is a, a sporting icon At one, if not the greatest sporting occasion, um, I just find it heartbreaking, but very sort of iconic. I hate using that word, as I know we all do.
4: Mm.
0: Uh,
3: But yeah, but that's mine for number ten.
4: Ollie, you're number nine, then please. Right, I'm hoping you two will um, appreciate this one, (laughs) as we we spoke a bit about snooker the last time I was on. That's right. Mm. Yes, we did. And although I did say at the start I wasn't going to include any kind of like American sports because they're a bit too niche. I suppose snooker is as niche as it can get, particularly yeah. in and around Europe. However, I've gone for running a Sullivan's five minute, eight second, one, four, seven in 1997.
2: That is my number five. That's Ooh. my number eight.
4: <laughs> how weird is that? How bizarre. How bizarre. There you go. I thought I, I had a feeling you might have that in, but, um, again, he's he still a... holds, still holds the record as well. So, yeah. Uh, that's why and I kind he's of had max,
2: He's had 15 maximum breaks in his career. He? Yeah. Wow. I had to look it up because I thought, how's this going? You know, and because we all, I mean, we remember when he did it, it was just astounding. Um, But then I have to find out he's done 15 of them professionally as well. And then in an interview after the last snooker tournament, when they were talking to him about him, he he said, I don't really bother playing for them now. (laughs) So how many more do you think he could do? That's the thing. It's it's I don't yeah. know. It's
4: just immensely talented. Yeah. But he kind of it was that point for me where it elevated the sport to a mainstream audience. Mm. When was it Eddie? Not Eddie Hearn. Barry Hearn. Barry Hearn bought the rights. Yeah. And um that That's it. It kind of all for me. That's when it kind of the it, well, I suppose the wheels were in motion. It all kind of clicked in, and he became a figurehead for the sport, and um, he took it to new levels, to new areas. Mm.
3: He makes the game look so easy. That's the that's the thing. I mean, I've I I watched that five minute one four seven. I think he played the last four or five shots without any chalk because he dropped his chalk. Yeah. Because at the end of it, when he pots the black, he's looking at someone in the in the crowd, sort of going, "Chalk, can you get me some chalk?" Because he lost his chalk. And then I watched another one four seven that he did. Where he was playing right-handed and left-handed, mm. like sh- uh, shot after shot, and he just and it ends up where he's taking the piss because he will do shots that are absolutely ridiculous, but he'll do them left-handed mm. just to really make it look like he's really taking the piss. And I think one time didn't he get a one four six because because the one four seven the money for it was like yeah. thirty thousand, yeah. so he yeah. thought I'm not going to bother, so he did a one four six instead of a one four seven yeah. just to take the piss. And
4: Wonder then he, he, has, he uh, yeah. oh. oh go on sorry Ollie. I just wonder if he'd done it on purpose, because he knew he'd get more revenue on his YouTube channel. Like more than likely. A viral clip.
3: More than likely. I mean, but that's the thing. He's a guy that sort of has transcended the sport now. He knows oh, yeah. that if he really wants to try, he could probably win every game he wants to. He just doesn't need to try
2: that much. But he then he goes like. into tournaments, and you think, oh, he's on it. He'll play one game, and he's fantastic. And then the next game, he's lost 7-0 but then I think that's where he just woke up and thought, I'm not really
3: feeling this today. Yeah.
2: But as he, as he says in um, interviews, it's that it depends how his how his mind is that yeah. day. Yeah. You know, cause he obviously he's openly talked about his mental health. So absolutely. Yeah. And I
3: still remember that moment when he was playing VR pool
2: mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, on that, <laughs> on that
3: documentary. And he thought he went to go and rest on the table and just fell flat on his face. I mean, was, I'll put that in the video playlist for the Patreon supporters. Uh, uh, but that's a good one. Look at that! All three, all three of us mm. have got that one. Lovely. Especially. Okay, go on then. Neil, you are number
2: nine. So it's, it is quite an, uh, a big one for England. It's England winning the '66 World Cup. I couldn't not put it in there. I almost was reluctant not to, but it was a defining defining moment for the English winning the winning English team. It's been a long time, and uh, I don't honestly think we'll ever win it again. But there we go. Um. But what else to say, you know? They think it's all over and all of that jazz. It's been talked about a million times, but I thought I I couldn't m- miss it out, really. Okay.
3: And
4: in your both of your opinions, was it a goal? Did it go over the line? Well, either way, we scored four and then he, <laughs> they scored two. So, yeah, so, um, yeah cool. it made my honourable mentions. The only reason I didn't put it in, obviously, it's before my time, but I just have no... Kind of, I can't relate to it. No, right. That makes sense. So my closest I've seen again. I was, you know, I was a kid in the nineties, ninety, ninety six, getting to the semis, twenty eighteen, yeah. and uh, the last World Cup in the Euros, I guess. Um, I've I've met Jeff Hurst, Sir Jeff Hurst. Yeah. Um, been fortunate to meet him. I think you're right. I think it is definitely a. It definitely is a iconic moment. I think. I think if you were going to choose a moment for me, it would be the commentary line There's people yeah. on the pitch. They think it's all over. Um. But yeah it didn't quite get in the top ten for me
2: no. it might it might be more relevant to myself and Pav because of our age because I mean what uh so you were four years off uh three years off of it being yeah. born, weren't you, and I was sort of like five years or whatever off of it so um I, you know we had our parents and our parents' friends and our friends' parents and things like that always talking about it from a young age, so it was always ingrained into us and mm. I just felt I had to put it in there. Really. Yeah, I think I
4: think what helps helps it live on is the uh, Bedil in Skinner, three lions because yeah. music, music video for that makes direct parallels between yes. the '90s squad and the '60s mm. squad, and that's in immor- that songs immortalised in football folklore, folklore, isn't it? So I think yeah. maybe yeah, you're probably right to put it in the top ten. Yeah,
3: and I think I mean you can imagine this. Well, it wasn't summer, was it? In The winter for the World Cup. Uh, Jeff Hurst really pissed off with Kylian Mbappe because he's now not the only one to score a hat trick in a World Cup final. He was fired, but he was so pissed, he just really didn't like that at all. He he didn't. He didn't win it though, did he? So I think that is true. He still got that. That is true. Absolutely. Okay, my number nine, Ollie. I'm sorry. OK, no, there are, it's, not, a, it? it's not it's... that one. It's not that one. No. My number nine is Firmino scores number seven versus Man United in the Premier League <laughs> 2023. <laughs> I had to put that one on there just because it was at that point that I think there was still like 10 minutes to go. And I thought this could go, this could be crazy. This <laughs> is <was>, OK. <laughs> Oli, come on, snap out you, of it. No, you didn't. You did Top ten sports events of all the time. You put that in? Oh, come on! It's Liverpool versus Manchester United, our number one foes, and we have beaten them seven nil. If it had been the other way round, you're not oh, telling I mean, me that would be on in your top ten.
4: No, I'd probably put one of the many trophies we've won over the last few years. But um, <laughs> is that honestly your number nine?
3: That is honestly my number nine. I'm in shock. That is honestly my number nine. <laughs> it's, it's because, and it's just, it's that specific moment because, well, I think actually when number six went in, then I think there was like 15, 18 minutes to go.
4: Yeah. And well, I thought. Here's it, it, it the thing. If I, okay, it, had, had we won the league and we beat, and Man United beat Liverpool 7 0, then it might get into the top 10. But to do 7-0 and they get beaten by Bournemouth the week after well, uh, yeah. or well, no, I Don't, eight? Know. don't you're spoil absolutely my number, right?
2: Eight. <laughs> you're, absolutely,
4: uh, no,
3: you're absolutely right. But I'm talking if we're talking about like individual yeah. sporting moments.
4: The rivalry, for yeah. me,
3: the rivalry, you can have your Man Cities and you can have your Evertons and you can have your Arsenals. Liverpool Man United is the game. I wouldn't say so much that like, I don't mind not winning anything all season as long as we say beat United twice maybe not go that far, but to to have that, I mean, seven is the score where on the Vidi printer it will say seven open brackets, S-E-V-E-N, closed brackets because nobody should be, no professional football club should beat another professional football club by seven goals. It just shouldn't, and especially when United have been playing so well this season. Yeah. And I will say it, I feel dirty and I'm going to need to shower after saying that <laughs> and wash my mouth out. But, it was just that moment that, and again, it it flattered to deceive, because I think the week before, didn't we lose? We lost five two to Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. The week after, we lose one nil to Bournemouth. So, in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing to shout about. But that ninety minutes and that specific moment, it's just. I mean, look, give it if uh, ten years time, it probably wouldn't be in my top ten. But as we're talking now. And I apologise, Ollie. I don't mean it to be... Yeah, it's sorry. just It just happens to be that you're a United fan. It would have been... If anyone else had been there, it would have been the same. <laughs> I didn't put it in there specifically because it's you. And he doesn't... Aguero! He
2: doesn't, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't
4: yeah. believe it. Um, although you've just reminded me of the... um, I completely forgot about this until you just mentioned... The uh, Germany 7-Brazil one. Yeah. Um, that was... I've not got it in my top ten, but that was shocking as well. Because that was in the World Cup. It was in Brazil's Indeed. backyard in the World Cup in Brazil as well. Yeah. Mm. And um, I remember where I was finally watching that. And you said the seven goals comes down like a video printer. It's like, it was like watching the credits at the end of the film, like exactly. Midorsky, Thomas Muller. Yeah. Man. And those Brazilian players looked genuinely broken
3: after that, mm. didn't they? They just did, like, they didn't know where yeah. to go, what to do. And it was, you know, but there you go. Anyway, on to the next one, Ollie, let's go
4: on to number eight well sticking with football um solskjaer's winning goal in the 1999 champions league final there you go didn't make your list it oh, didn't no, make my list no. i did, i did put the commentary no. in the in the things <laughs> did, I, yeah, I, did, I did i
3: don't know can't remember which one it was but it was in there
4: yeah um what a wow what oof. um it just defines manchester united that goal and although solskjaer had his issues as a manager he will be immortalised within the Football Hall of Fame for that moment. And um, obviously it's the year that Man United won the treble that's still yet to be accomplished by anyone and was the first time it ever happened. And, you know, we had no right to win the league that year, really. We only beat Arsenal by a point, beating Newcastle in the FA Cup final, thanks to uh, the semi-final beating Arsenal again in two legs, thanks to that famous Ryan Giggs goal. So to top it all off it with the last game against Bayern Munich, in uh, the new Camp. A great Barcelona side, by the way, with Oliver Kahn, Mateus, and a generational... Effenberg was there. A generational team. And to win it in Fergie time, this is where Fergie time was created, by the way, in the last few minutes, thanks to two David Beckham corners, effectively, Um, who was robbed of the Ballon d'Or that year, by the way. Rivaldo ended up winning it, but Beckham pretty much was a shoo-in. And it cemented Manchester United as the richest, most profitable, greatest club of all time. And although it's not been going our way for the last 10 years, that year, 1999, was the class of 92. That year defines that club and still makes them relevant, despite winning fuck all for the last 10 years. That year keeps us relevant. Yeah. That year, that 1999 year, keeps, keeps generating us money. If that year didn't happen, if we didn't, if we bottled it on the last day of the season, and Arsenal won the league, it wouldn't have been the same. If we, Solsha skied that kick, how many millions would we not be worth now? It's um, it's so important, and the fact it's in the biggest league in the world, in the biggest sport in the world, it's only my number eight is quite sickening when I speak out loud, but it it is, and you know the whole Alan Hansen thing, you win nothing with kids, that he said a few years earlier. Yeah, it's immortalised in immortalized uh, football fame.
3: Yeah. And do you think that you're saying about the, the fact that it's, it's an iconic year, do you think that's for all time now? Or do you think it will become, if you go another, say, 20 years without winning a couple of trophies, does that get forgotten? It's just like the distance past? Or do you think it's always there as the cornerstone yeah. to
4: United's history, if you like? I think numerically, 1999 was an important year anyway, because of all the change. You had like the Y2K stuff, the millennium coming in. Mm. I if, think if, if it had happened in 1996, for example, I don't think it'd be remembered as much because it was like such a significant change going into a new millennium, uh, what the year 2000 would hold. And um, one of the last things to happen in, in the football calendar that year it would be late in May in 1999. He scored a goal in injury time. And oh, what a night. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 you know, who knows? It Looks like we're going to get new owners. It could be worse than the Glazers. Who knows if the club suddenly went bankrupt? You know, we, we, there's a good chance we can find another investor because of that goal of what yeah. happened that year. Yeah, um, and you know, you go to China or India or Australia, America, and Manchester United are still maybe one of the most talked about teams, despite not having much success recently because of that year because of that goal and mm. i think it is that goal because that was the last match of that season champions league final mm. and if it was just the fa cup in the premier League, yeah that's fantastic but to get the holy trinity it's i it's i don't know it's in the biggest sport in the world as well i think it will be defining for the rest of time it's like when man landed on the moon 1969 everyone knows mm. for a year yeah you know?
3: yeah fair enough yeah. I don't really know what to <laughs> say. <laughs> I can't pray, heap too much praise on Man United, even though they did win the treble. Yeah. But no, no, you're absolutely right. And I must admit, I mean, look, again, I've, I'm not one to blow Manchester United's trumpet at all. But even there's been times I've watched those last couple of minutes because, again, there's nothing better than seeing Oliver Kahn led in his goal, just completely broken by the fact that he's just been
4: done by two goals and literally a minute and a half. I tell you what, just I'll I'll give a plug to the, I don't know if you guys know the quickly Kevin podcast. Yes. 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 So there's a great episode uh, with uh, Henning Vane, the uh, German comedian, and he gives a great insight to what it's like for Bayern Munich. I think he's a Schalke fan, but he gives a great insight what it was for, from a German perspective, watching that game. It's a fantastic listen. I I won't spoil it, but um, yeah, do go and listen to that because, you know, Mm. Bayern Munich fans were, you know, thought they were winning of course imagine that 30 seconds later just not and it was so so you know having that germany have won the 1996 euros the 1990 world cup in that decade yeah you know it was completely foreign to them that they could well it be wasn't just shafted. the fact that
3: oh, oh no we've, we we're gonna have to go to extra time now it was then they were just yeah, thinking we exactly, have yeah. got to settle down for extra time and then another goal
2: goes in but <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly okay right then neil you're number eight so this, I can't believe this is 10 years or plus ago, the GB Super Saturday in the 2012 Olympics sat down with my family, young family at the time, uh, and we watched uh, Greg Rutherford, Jessica Ennis Hill and Mo Farah all win goal within 45 minutes of each other. So I just, it, I remember it well. Um, it was one of those moments, like I said, for me personally. I was, I've never been a huge Olympics follower, but the year that it was in London, I seemed to follow it A lot and got into it like everybody else did and had a sense of national pride and everything that came through um but yeah that Saturday was an amazing day uh I can remember sitting all day in the uh, hot day sitting all day inside (laughs) watching it with the kids and uh, yeah what more can be said yeah I can't remember that I have to admit well, honestly, you can't maybe remember. you weren't remember, well, maybe you weren't watching it. Maybe I wasn't. Who was it? Who yeah. won? Who won again? It? So it's Greg Rutherford, right? And he and he, from Genesis, yeah. That's it, okay. yeah. <laughs> he also broke a world record, didn't he? Um, Jessica Ennis Hill, remember right. her? Yeah, She went on to advertise Santander for that's you. That's right, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And then Mo Farrow, remember him? I remember him, yeah. That's there right, All right. Okay. yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, it was, a, it was a spectacular day, uh, especially for our medals board and everything like that. But, yeah, it was a great day, a, a great sporting moment for the UK, you know, for GB. It was mm. – um, and like I said, I've never really – I've dipped in and out of Olympics here and there and everywhere, but that one, obviously, you know, we, we got, like the majority of the nation, we got into it and followed it. It's just a shame a lot of it's down to time difference and everything like that when other Olympics have been on and we don't sort of – well, I don't think people follow it quite as avidly, but yeah. And you remember all the everybody trying to get the tickets to go to an event, and people were putting up with going to watch. I don't know, like uh, bow dancing or whatever it was with the <laughs> ribbon dancing and all of that. I mean, just to say they'd been there, hadn't they? But no, but I bet you wish you could ribbon dance now, Neil, don't you? Hey? I wish I could just get up on
3: my own without <laughs> crutches would be a
2: start.
3: <laughs> uh. Okay, right. Well, my number eight was Ronnie O'Sullivan's uh, five minute and eight second 147 in the 1997 World Championship. So back over to you, Oli, if you're on number seven.
4: Um, I've gone for 1985 Wimbledon final. Boris Becker, aged 17, takes it to be the youngest ever and first ever German to win Wimbledon. Mm. God, Where's I remember Boris that. Now? I in Where is <laughs> he? Behind bars,
3: yes, he he is. yes, is. He yeah, because yeah. yeah, he exploded on the scene, didn't
4: he? He
2: did, yeah,
4: it's yeah. So iconic. So, I'm a massive, massive tennis fan, it was the only sport I was like pretty competent at. I can actually beat people at tennis, mm. um, so yeah, Wimbledon was always a massive thing in my household growing up, watching as a family, and you know, I was told about legends of the 80s and 90s and um always found it entertaining to watch as well and i think you know when it's one on one then it's quite a heated kind of mm. uh, tournament style format knockout tournament i think that's always exciting and you can kind of you yeah, it means a bit more than if it was like a, a league table for example yeah um so to do it at age 17 and it is that immortalized clip every time bit wimbledon comes around is a clip that's always shown yeah at the age of 17 it's mm. absolute madness And um, I think he was the first unseeded player to win as well, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. I think think he was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which is an absolute joke. I mean, the competition was so high, and tennis was a massive sport at the time, still is now, of course. Um, Yeah, it's just a bit unfortunate what's happened to Boris more recently. But uh, but it it, love him or hate him, it's an era-defining moment. Him lifting that trophy, beating Kevin Curran. But um, Mm. yeah, it also shows
3: you like what uh, Emma Raducanu did a couple of years ago. She did exactly
4: mm. the same. Was she 17 or was she 16? But she I was unseeded un- yeah, and she won the US she? Open, didn't she? Yeah, I think there's uh, someone... I, I asked on my Instagram for people to give suggestions and that was one that came up a bit. I think the only thing with that is that it's the US Open, it's not Wimbledon. And yeah. uh, mm. for, for one reason or another, I, Wimbledon is the, it is the creme de la creme. Of but the,
2: Boris Becker carried on a, a very successful career. Now, I'm not saying she hasn't, but she's not one. Um, well, she's not She's not even hit her prime yet, has she? So, no, and yeah. she hasn't done... But th- the thing is, but Boris Becker sort of kept the momentum going, whereas at the moment, I'm afraid, she seems to be knocked out in the second or third round. Or gets concert, injured. Gets or injured gets injured. Lot, yeah. So whether that's today's society putting the pressure on her and she's not being able to... You know, she's being forced more into the uh, commercial side and, you know, you're a pretty face, go and advertise that, and that's putting her off the sport... You know, it wasn't around quite so badly then for the likes of Boris mm. Becker. I mean, I don't want to make any ginger jokes either. So mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> oh dear, let's move on swiftly, shall we? <laughs> Neil's getting back into the groove quickly now.
2: <laughs> Go on then, Neil, your number seven. Uh, well, it's, talking of Wimbledon, its uh, I'm going to say Andy Murray. It was great to see him beat Djokovic in straight sets in uh, 2013, wasn't it? So we'd had the... Um, the joy of the olympic gold for him and then the following year he managed to win that wimbledon final um same reasons it's a magical thing to be able to win to say you won a wimbledon final um you know i think it is the the number 1 tournament in tennis and still holds that now you know people want to win wimbledon you don't hear people saying oh i really want to win the australian open or anything of course they want to win it but you don't hear it's so, like high on their list of the tournaments they want to go so for Andy Murray to do it, and a lot of people were naysayers, obviously that he wouldn't do it. He was too negative. It was great to see him actually finally achieve that. Mm. And it, you know, it's one it of those great. things
3: I can always think like, well, in my lifetime, I'm never going to see like a Brit win Wimbledon. Yeah. Mm. I'm never going to see England win a major tournament. I'm yeah. never going to see Liverpool win the, the Premier League. It's those kind of things I keep. You say to yourself, and you think yeah. those things are never going to happen. And well, two out of three of those have happened. So. <laughs>
4: was remarkable because he was the first British person to win it since Fred Perry in the, yeah. in the 50s, wasn't he? So, That's right. in that decade, or it must have been maybe like 15 year period, where it was just. Tim Hemman being knocked out in the second round every year. It was yeah. so depressing because we didn't we didn't have anyone else. We didn't have any other representatives really. Well, Greg um, his,
3: um, Greg, Ru- Greg Rudetsky was another Budetsky. one. Wasn't it? But but he wasn't, was British, but he was, he was actually no, Canadian. Wasn't
4: yeah. He was a that's the Lennox Lewis kind of bracket, is, yeah, isn't it? It's, yeah. no, you, you don't count mate. He um, don't count unless he won it. If he'd have won it, then he'd have been British. I don't know. I you never know? had a I never had any affinity to Greg Rudetsky. Yeah. Like Likewise, Buster Mottram sorry. was one from the seventies. yeah. Remember.
3: That's modern yeah. yeah. But it, um,
4: because, because, like, John Pete, Lloyd. Sam- John Lloyd. John Pete, Lloyd. Pete Sampras was so dominating in the 90s, yeah. mm. and then you had the uh, Federer and Nadal era, he just felt like it was never, ever going to happen. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't look as fit as they do, if that makes sense. He doesn't look like a world-beating athlete, does he? No. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he'd done it twice, didn't he? Was it 2015 one as well, or 2016? Uh, know, I'm not so, not sure. i think it's
2: 2015 uh, but we'll have to anyway, but, um, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. First time.
3: And... that is a good one okay uh my number seven um i think that the, the podcast we've done about sports mike tyson always seems to come up it doesn't matter what whether it's about the greatest sporting heroes greatest sporting villains there's always <laughs> mike tyson so for me it has to be buster douglas versus mike tyson Oh, uh, the okay. Tokyo Dome, eleventh of February, nineteen ninety, in the tenth round, Buster Douglas was forty-two to one to win, and he just knocked out Tyson, which was something that no one ever thought would happen. Mm. And it, it, it. Although Tyson did come back after that, not to the same. I mean, Tyson was destroying
2: everybody. Uh, everybody. Him, was it, it was
3: like you know, how many seconds is someone going to last? You know, in the ring with Tyson because mm. he was an absolute beast. And it was that same thing. It was a little bit like Rocky Three. Tyson was like, wasn't just concentrating on the boxing like he used to. It had lots of other stuff going on, and and Buster Douglas caught him at the right time and had the eye of the tiger to borrow the uh, uh, Rocky <laughs> Three analogy again. Um, but I can remember that that following morning where it was just, you know, it was the punch that like shook the world mm-hmm. when he just, no one had ever seen Tyson on the canvas before. And he was just, he, he, he looked mortal. Whereas before he looked like the Terminator that just kept just, you know, going forward, going forward. And he, I can remember him trying to put his gum shield back in and just looking completely dazed, sat on his ass. And I thought, wow, the guy is human. He's not just this beast from outer space, but, uh, yeah, that's. Um, I am saying it was shocking because the things that Tyson used to do to people were shocking, in mm. and out of the ring. I suppose you could say. Um, sure. Listen back to our sporting villains episode for <laughs> more <laughs> details on stuff like that. But yeah, um, yeah, that's my that's my number seven. So Ollie, you're number six, please.
4: So when you sent me the brief for sporting moments. This is probably the most defining sporting moment I've got on the list because it is just the moment. Okay. It was a few seconds, in fact. 2006 World Cup final. One of the best players of all time. Headbutts. Marky Matarazzi to get sent off. Zinedine Zidane, yeah. in the World Cup final. France v. Italy, 2006. Just madness. Yeah, Unbelievable. Ballon d'Or winner. He's famed for being gracious. Yeah. With there is there is no. I'm as a football fan. I study. I read books. Football history. There's no better person in the world with the most gracious touch that man has with the ball at his feet. They made a documentary about him Mm. where they covered him for a 90 minute football match, but they put the camera solely on him. Yeah. And you could just see what he does. It's just absolutely magical. Anyway. I won't teach you to suck eggs once again. We all know he's a brilliant player. But just to do that in his last ever game, by the way, mm. that was his last ever game to bow out in that fashion. And with the softest of headbutts as well. Exactly. To <laughs> bow out in that fashion. But what was, people forget about that game. He scored in the final as well. Can you remember how he scored? What kind of goal it was?
3: No, I can't.
4: No. So he scored it he scored a penalty. He he penankered Buffon. That's right. And it just didn't it just dip under the bar. It well, hit the underside I think, of the bar. Yeah, had it been VAR, I don't think it would have counted. But um but yeah, that just sums up the man. He's got the in an arrogance of a World Cup final, the largest sport in the world. I've got it written down here. Seven hundred and fifty million people watched that match. And he had the arrogance to chip the ball past the greatest goalkeeper that ever lived, in my opinion, in Buffon. And then get sent off and uh, yeah. obviously Italy mm-hmm. go on to win on penalties. Um, Fully enough, he actually got sent, he got sent off in the 1998 world cup fi- um, tournament as well. He's only one of two players to get two red cards at two different tournaments. Um, the other being Rigobert Song. song. Um, but it was just, again, I think when it comes to the biggest sport in the world, it is football. To do that in a world cup final where nearly a billion people are watching mm-hmm. And that's your last ever
2: game. And that's what he's remembered for. As and well, that's exactly,
4: isn't it? I know he's gone on to win Champions Leagues as a manager of Real Madrid, mm. but he's, he's, he's just more famous for that now than anything he done as a player, which is a shame really. Mm. And as him, it must be an itch that
3: you just can't scratch knowing that that was your last game. You know yeah, you, what? what I mean, you you want to go out with some kind of dignity, wouldn't you? And it must be horrible. I mean, obviously, because didn't, didn't, Maturazzi say something about his mum or something that was what
4: something like that, yeah. That was what it's...
3: sort of triggered it, or was it, it? But it's still no, it's no excuse, no, to do that. But it's like I, I've watched that documentary, and it's weird. I mean, I think I think Zidane's the only player that looks like he's playing in slow motion when he's not. If you know, what I mean, he's just absolutely. got that amazing touch and movement that is is beautiful, absolutely mm. beautiful. Uh, that's a good one,
2: yeah, very good. Uh, go on to Neil, number six. So it's a it's a it's a football moment again. It's 2016's uh, winners, Leicester City. Um, it was an unsuspected, yeah, right. you know, unexpected win, Premier League win, and uh, brilliance to them. It was bizarre, to say the least. I mean, but fair play to them because they sat their manager, didn't they, a few games into the next season, who achieved them that. Um, if only we'd put a punt on it, <laughs> like some people did. Yes, yes. they did. Uh, um, but yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was a complete break from the norm. And to think they're having a shocker this season as well, aren't they? I think they're <laughs> out. Um, yeah.
3: but I'm going to put a five on them to win the Champions, the championship next year, if they're having <laughs> a shocker this <laughs> season.
2: Might be worth it. But it was, it was one of those moments where I don't think anybody really begrudged them winning. I haven't heard anybody say to them, oh, well... Neil, yeah, aren't you a Tottenham fan? I am. I was just about to say... That's very gracious of you, Neil. Because that's
3: the nearest you've come to winning the, champi- know, the, the championship.
2: Absolutely, but you can't. I t- I, I'm just saying it. You can't begrudge what they did and uh, where they yeah. were. You know,
4: Even, were, I mean, five thousand to one, it was yeah, the outside it was, bet, yeah, something like that.
2: You know, crazy. I know, I know. It pissed on our parade and everything like that. But yeah, you just can't take it away from them. And I, I haven't heard anybody really diss them that much. No, really, I haven't. Well, I've never heard anybody not be pleased for them to have won. And it's a little bit fun. like Arsenal this season. Is everyone keeps
3: saying, "Oh, well, they're gonna they're gonna slip up sooner or later." And I can remember them saying that about Leicester. They're gonna mm. they're gonna slip away sooner or later. They're gonna and they never did. I think they had one defeat against Arsenal, didn't they? And then but they mm. then they just kept winning and winning. And Vardy Nobody was cares on about
2: Arsenal. Yeah, but I think nice.
4: it, the defining game wasn't even a game Leicester involved in I think it was Tottenham against Chelsea that's right and uh, mm. Eden Hazard scored in the last that's few right. moments yeah I mean. that's right but um, yeah I've not got it in my top 10 again I did I'm an R about it as an avid football fan of course um, but also what was impressive about that Leicester team they played good football as well like Ria and Kante and Vardy uh, even Mark Albrighton was playing well which is, says something um, but yeah and then Claudio Ranieri sacked a few
3: good one though good one okay uh my number six is um Aguero! i'm sorry ollie you got as a moment but that in time is my number four as well. is that your oh, number what? Or...
2: sorry ollie <laughs> but it would be wouldn't it for a non-man united support it's got to be i honestly.
4: thought you know what i thought in my head well they're not going to put man city in if they put leicester in good boys uh, no <laughs>
3: <laughs> as, a, as a as a just as a well football as a sporting moment in time, Martin Tyler was absolutely right. You're never going to see anything like this again. And every time I watch that sort of last ten minutes, there are so many moments when you think this is this. Even when I watch it, which, so what? Yeah, what year was that? Uh, Twenty twelve. Yep. Right. So you look at it and you still think they're not going to do it. There's no way mm. you can because QPR can just kick the ball up the end of the field and that's it. It's done, and it's it amazes me every single time. And I mean, and that's from someone who's all right. It was United that didn't win it. It, it doesn't matter what team wouldn't have won that.
2: No. As a
3: Liverpool fan, as a football fan, I don't think you can get drama like that any better. Mm. Than that particular situation. We were on the, the the same sort of losing end, if you want, a couple of seasons ago, but it didn't seem to have the same drama, even though Villa were 2-0 up and should have cruised that and we mm. could have won the title easily. Mm. Um it doesn't seem to have the same kind of cachet as that whole Aguero moment. Um and I don't I really I'm not putting this in to piss you off, Ollie. Honestly, it is genuinely a moment in time for me in sports as a sporting moment that is just magical and everything that is great about football and everything that's probably great about the Premier League, it just happens that United were, you know, the, the beneficiaries of the um despair. And just yeah. seeing Michael Owen's face when
4: he realised he hasn't won. <laughs> God, I hate Michael Owen. I, I really do. do. Oh, I love it. I think it's I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I think if you just accept him as an idiot. I think it's a lot oh, easier exactly. to deal with him, if it makes sense. Mm. Um, exactly. you got to remember, that happened to us twice. It happened to us in 1995 as well, when Blackburn won the title um, at Liverpool. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, we've been stung in the arse twice, but then again, he's done it to other people. As he said, with Bayern Munich earlier on, and I can't, I can't be so joyous about that. And then when it happens to us, be salty about it. Although I was at the time. Yeah, but living, then the thing um, is,
3: is, you're involved. It's like, It's like you're involved right to the end. It's the, it's a, on a knife edge, you could win the league, you might not win the league. It's better having that than being sixth or seventh in the league or twelfth in the league. You, you're involved. I think that's the thing. So it yeah. shows that you're consistent or you've been consistent over so many years.
4: Yeah, you're quite right. Thank
3: you. <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs> that was my number six. So, Ollie, you're number five then, please. Right then, away from football, finally. Um, so arguably... The purest sport of all time, and arguably one of the oldest sports as well, um, that's been like commercialized and had a governing body, is fighting, specifically boxing. So I've gone for the rumble in the jungle. We spoke about Mm. Muhammad Ali earlier on. Probably the most recognizable fight of all time up there with the thriller in Manila and uh, probably more recently the Tyson Fury Bouts with uh, Deontay Wilder featured two of the greatest boxers of all time George Foreman and Muhammad Ali uh, allegedly it was watched by over a billion people which for 1974 yeah. is impressive because I think, I think the population would have been around 5 billion at the time uh, maybe 6 um, that must have been then, everybody ha- with a TV it, well exactly that's what I'm saying You're not exactly commercial and the fact that it was in Zaire as well which is just hilarious to me it's not even a country anymore um, it is the eerie defining fight Muhammad Ali was a massive underdog who came come back after a loss I believe mm. the famous rope-a-dope technique the taunting with George Foreman as well George Foreman undefeated at the time as well um, it was the two biggest fighters of the decade finally going at it which is something you don't see in modern boxing they just seem to you know duck each other and you know joshua fury we we never get to got to see so they, i think one of them knew they'd ultimately lose and oh this old tyson
3: usick thing it, that's going oh, on at the moment is just it's like, so just boring tiring it really is exactly oh, well, but well, now, these
2: youtubers
3: no no uh, tyson fury and the and they're trying to do a what they call it where they put all the belts together
4: uh, you, uh undisputed uniform the belts and,
3: yeah, yeah yeah unify the belts and it's just like just just fight if you're gonna fight fight don't fuck about all the time. But then, all... I'm
2: going to be a bit old school back when we were talking about the Rumble in the Jungle and things like that. Boxers used to work up the ranks so they'd fight the next best fighter. It seems to be that you get to a level and you can pick and choose who you're fighting now.
4: Well, there's so many different divisions now. That's the yeah. thing. So if you get, if you get a WBC belt, for example, you're a heavyweight champion and you might just, Deontay Wilder held on to that. I think it was a WBC held us that. You just had that for ages. Mm. And Anthony Joshny had the other one at the time. And then you had Klitschko with the other one. Um, I suppose Tyson Fury's done a good thing because he's unified a few of them and I think yeah. um, Usyk has the other one at the moment so yeah it's a fight that should happen the two best people should fight it's you know it's mm. like Man United and Liverpool playing say so, oh no we're not going to do that those teams are too good yeah yeah <laughs> Are we going to, we're going to have Man United against Wolverhampton and Liverpool could play Crystal Palace no that's not it's, it's ridiculous still <laughs> well, yeah, still <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool can have Bournemouth no there we go oh shit no we don't want that huh? <laughs> but um yeah what, what's again 70s boxing 80s boxing 90s boxing was I, I frequently go back and watch these clips the Rumble in the Jungle I think it, it probably is the greatest boxing fight of all time mm. uh, the trepidation the anxiety the build up the post match the fact it was in Africa as well um sensational over a billion people watching it as well to the greatest fight of all time. How many films have there been about the rumble in the jungle? How many films mm. have there been about Muhammad Ali? There's a George Foreman film coming out. Mm. Um, so it, for that reason, I think, um, you know, and again, a lot of people betting against Ali as well. We've done nothing for seven rounds and the eighth round whispered in his ear, it's my turn and, uh, mm. turned it on. And, uh, yeah, it's a great fight to watch back on YouTube if you get the time.
3: Well, again, mm. I'll put that in the, uh, Video playlist for our top heads. We'll have that. Uh, okay, Neil, your number five was Ronnie O'Sullivan's five minute 147. It was. Uh, my number five, now I could put Liverpool winning the Champions League in 2005, but there's a specific moment in that match is the reason that we came back in that game. So my number five is Diddy Haman coming on for Harry Kuehl in the 2005 Champions League. Because if that hadn't have happened, if Harry Kuehl hadn't have got another injury, um, we wouldn't have come back in that game because Didi Hammam was the key to us coming back in that game. Um, we were three nil down at halftime. The AC Milan players were all touching the European cup and we were in the, uh, in the changing rooms and we could hear the crowd singing, you'll never walk alone. Apparently that was the story. Um, and then we came back and three goals and then won the, uh, I mean, I can remember, I think I, I was close to turning it off at halftime, I think, like a lot of people. And I thought, no, I'll carry on watching it. And even through the, the extra time, I thought, we're still not going to win this. It's just not our time. And then Jersey Dudek doing the whole spaghetti legs thing. And um, what always made me laugh is, like, Jamie Carragher was done. He, like, was mm-hmm. getting cramp every two seconds. And when Dudek saved that final Shevchenko penalty, I've never seen Jamie Carragher run so fast. He never had any yeah. cramp then. <laughs> he was running as fast as he could to get to Dudek and stuff. Um, yeah, we should never have won that. We should never have won that. And to have someone like that Josie get a European Champions League winning yeah. medal was crazy. And Harry Kuhl, cool, because I'm Jim, sorry, Jimmy Troway Jimmy Chaiore. These yeah. it was it was never our greatest team. So like no. I say, we should never have won it. But the the spirit, but Didi Haman is the reason that we won the Champions League that year without a shadow of a doubt.
4: Mm. Uh, that's my number five. So, Ollie, you're number four then, please. Um, sticking with football again. Again, I've gone for a moment that's uh, way beyond my years. Um, I've gone for the Carlos Alberto goal in the 1970 World Cup final for Brazil bit of a niche one, maybe, particularly. Um, But even if you don't like football, even if you've never heard of football, let's say maybe you're in America, maybe you're a basketball fan, you've probably heard the 1970s Brazil team referenced. Yeah. People much younger than me, maybe at school now, would have heard of the 1970s Brazil team, Mm -hmm. thanks to the popularization of the FIFA football franchise and video games. There's a reason they've been put in those games. Carlos Alberto's in those games, Jazzino's in those games, Gerencia's in those games, Pelé's in those games, all from the 1970 team um, that beat Italy 4-1 in the final. And it was that Carlos Alberto goal for me because it's the build-up where they have like 60, 70 passes, a bit like how people talk about Man City today yeah, and Pep Guardiola's football with Barcelona as well. That wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that Brazil team. And that turned into Dutch Total Football, which turned into what we've got with Man City and the Barcelona tippy tappa kind of football Mm. we see today, which is glorious to watch. It really is. And what helps make football the largest, um, richest, and most expensive, worldly-watched sport in the world. And for that reason, you've got to go back to that Carlos Alberto goal that's kind of spawned everything. And then on top of that, it was the first World Cup in colour on TV.
3: That's right, Um, So, Is that the greatest
4: team goal ever, do you think? Well, there's a famous other one um, which was Argentina against Mexico 2006 World Cup where it was 65 passes and then Esteban Cambiaso, who played for Leicester the season before they won the title. Then he got relegated with them um, who scored the goal at the 2006 World Cup and there's videos on YouTube where it counts the passes. That's quite a famous one, but oh, I, right. I, I think in terms of winning the World Cup and it was the last goal of the match as well. I think yeah, yeah. You're, probably, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, okay. So Neil, your number four was
3: uh Man City. shall I shall I press it again? No, I can't do it. No, properly. don't be I can't cruel. do it again. Don't it's be not, cruel. He's heard it enough. He's never gonna come on the podcast again <laughs> unless we pick something where there's no way that Aguero can be sort of side squeezed into a, a decision.
2: He'll <laughs> be choosing a movie one next time, or yeah. something, won't you? Not Argentine. Yeah.
4: No. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um okay, so that's that was your number four. My number four uh probably the most famous uh snooker match of all time uh Dennis Taylor pot in the final black versus Steve Davis in 1985 17 frames all everybody stayed up till something like whether it was half twelve, one o'clock in the morning. Nobody went to bed. I think there was twenty-five million people or something watching the final. This was when snooker was in its absolute prime, and everybody—I'm pretty sure—ninety-nine point nine percent of the country wanted Dennis Taylor to win. <laughs> um, and it was another one where there was there was no right for him to win because Steve Davis had at least two or three chances to pot that final black, uh, and the ball hung over the pocket. Steve Davis tried to cut it in and overcut it and I can always remember was it John Lowe not John Lowe Ted Lowe, Ted Lowe. was a commentator and he we' going no and when he when he didn't get it in and Dennis Taylor had what looks like a normal slightly not quite straight but a slightly off straight pot pots it in kisses the old uh, girl on the top of the that sounds terrible. <laughs> the <girl laughs> on the top of the trophy, um, and and that was it. His life changed forever. Then he was world champion, and it was one of those moments that I, again, that I think it's forty-seven minutes. The final frame. Mm. Um I'll put it in the video playlist because it is just watching it and knowing what the outcome is. You still get those tingles of like, my God, there's the the pressure and the atmosphere was just.
2: What year was it again? Eighty-five.
3: Eighty-five. Eighty-five. So I don't think mm. you were even born, were you, Ollie? No. Nope. Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah.
4: But you've seen it, though, Ollie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a I'm massive snooker fan, and it's it's immortalised, isn't it? It's um, you know the mm. famous upside down glasses of the Dennis right. Taylor. and, and um, yeah, it's it's always replayed, isn't it? And I think it's it's those moments that people watch snooker still for mm. to hope that they find something else like that, where uh, you know a comeback like that was unprecedented, really. Mm.
3: Completely agree. Uh, Right, so that was my number four. Ollie. your number three, please.
4: Well, I was hoping... Well, this is what I want to happen in this one. I'm going to say what it is, and I want you to tell me what you think about this one. I'm going to mix it up a bit.
3: Okay.
4: Beaches never Argentinian. Um, The Hand of God. No.
2: Okay. Well, it is a defining sporting moment, isn't it? So... I can't take that away from it. No, personally, but I think
3: Peter Shilton. There's no way that he should be getting over jumped by someone who's five foot six or whatever Maradona was, even if he's got his hand outstretched. Uh, I think if if Maradona didn't follow up with one of the greatest goals ever scored, I think it'd be a lot easier to lambast him, mm. because then he's not so much of a genius. He is just a hundred percent a cheat. But I think he was a cheat in a lot of things in his life. <laughs> That's yeah. the trouble. Yeah. It's not like it wasn't an isolated incident with him. Um,
2: I don't know. Neil, what are your thoughts? Well, likewise. I mean, you, you can't take away... He's he's a tortured genius, really, wasn't he? I mean, you know, on one hand, you know, people say the, the tricks that they watched him physically do. I mean, Gary Lineker famously says the mesmerisation of watching him stood in the middle of the... And you can see this on YouTube when he kicks the ball so yes. high in the air and then just kicks it again. Yeah. Come, you know, tricks like that and then he's playing and scoring goals like that and then goes and cheats. It's it's a real hard one to 100% lambast him, isn't it? Because you, you've you got admiration plus disgust. Mm. <laughs> Which are what, what
3: are your thoughts then, Ollie?
4: Um. Well, it certainly fits the brief once again. My dad hated him. Absolutely mm. despised him, and in fact, there was a bit of a rivalry of England and Argentina because the Falklands were exactly. a few years right. before. Yeah. So yeah. it's 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 a very it's a it's a very layered um, kind of thing. And you know that was you know Gary Lineker was the top goal scorer at that World Cup, so mm. you know it was, we, we did have a fighting chance. And yeah, I think um, it became the embodiment of cheating if someone ever. Cheat at a board game. Who do you think you are, Maradona? That <laughs> of, you know, the, ha- the, the fact that he he was the one who coined the phrase "Hand of God" as well after yes. it, after he yeah. spoke about it, Johnny Speckerman as well. Um, yeah, it's it's madness. I think it created more divide between England and Argentina. Mm. Um, if I'm being honest, Here's it's also a- one.
2: Of, I was going to say quickly on it's, it's also one of those moments like Zidane where it's it's taken away from the genius of what yeah. he is as well. Yeah,
4: absolutely.
2: You know, he's remembered absolutely. more for that than his other stuff.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And um, mm. I, was, I was thinking about this earlier. If you couldn't hate Maradona enough for that moment, do you think he's indirectly responsible for VAR? Because it's moments <laughs> like that that have been, mm. over time, have built up yeah. to having this technology. Uh, yeah. I mean,
3: like you, say, like you said about something earlier on, it took 20 years for that to come in. I mean, that was 86. So they, yeah. they, it's, it's, it's a good... 30 years 40
4: years for this <laughs> for you go back to, to get VAR sorted go back to Geoff Hirst's
3: goal exactly exactly but um, yeah, yeah same,
2: it was that like the same World Cup we were talking to Lineker that he shit himself no uh, that was 1990 was that the nineteen ninety one? one okay. I think against uh, was it against
4: Cameroon I uh, can't remember I didn't realise he'd shit himself No, oh, yeah you yeah, that that <laughs> that's, that's an iconic moment too He's shouting on the pitch and then just... really
3: Yeah.
2: yeah I'll yeah, put yeah. that in
3: the video playlist uh, top heads yeah, just so exactly. that you can watch Gary Lineker shit himself
2: yeah
3: well I didn't know that
2: yeah famous sports people shitting that's a new top 10 isn't it <laughs> I mean, Paul yeah, the
3: Radcliffe. Yeah, yeah could, you, could, you, could you just do famous people who shit themselves? Because Roachford, apparently, the the nineties uh, rock pop star, oh, shit yeah, himself yeah. on stage. Apparently,
2: apparently, so. Yeah, there we
4: go. Yeah.
3: Not so much of a cuddly toy then, was he? Hey, no, no. no. <laughs>
2: okay, then Neil, you're number three. So we're going back to Mike Tyson again. Um, now this is a, a, another personal sporting moment for me. It's when he fought Frank Bruno in uh, February 25th, 1989. Now, it's more about the occasion to me that's made it a sporting moment for me. Obviously, Bruno won in the fifth round. Um, uh, sorry, uh, Tyson won in the round. I was going to say. I think yeah, didn't I didn't Bruno mean to say that. Him. Yeah, um, but it was a moment. We didn't have Sky. It was put on Sky um, uh, late at night. It was the only place you could see It was when the Sky was in its infancy in those days can't remember what they called it back then bsb or whatever it was b sky b yeah Yeah, yeah. um so we had to sit around a radio at whatever time early o'clock in the morning to sit and listen to this and it was the camaraderie that we were all so pleased that bruno got this chance to fight this beast i don't think any of us doubted that he was gonna um you know win the win the fight but we were so behind him. It was, it, it was a sense of pride again. And yeah, it's just always remember that, that there was, I think there was 15 of us in that, this small, my friend's small flat front room, just wedged in all around the radio, just drinking and uh, having a jolly old time, but also getting very involved in the fight. So it, it's become very iconic to me. It's a, it was a great night, great night.
3: I've never, I've never thought boxing really works on the radio. Oh, you'll be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> they do a very good job of it. Same as golf as well. Golf's another mm. one that you feel mm. like can't really. I suppose you've got to use your imagination. I yeah, suppose, but but
2: it was the only. Uh, it was the only medium we could sort of hear it live or see. It, well, we couldn't see it live in those yeah. days. It was the only way we could have it on live you know obviously we all saw the highlights the next day etc and could watch the fight and, and things like that but we all were invested into wanting to listen to it live oh, didn't he fight Tyson twice Bruno or was it just the once yeah he did uh, but the other one we don't I, I can't even remember much about the other one. I think he lasted very long I know he, he gave uh, uh, Tyson a wobble with one of his yeah, punches he, didn't he rocks he rocked yeah. him with a punch mm. didn't he that sort of like hit really yeah. it? that was
3: 1989 you said yeah that was 1989 okay. 25th of February i remember it oh <laughs> mm. okay my number 3 um there's quite a few outstanding sporting moments that tiger woods has pulled off but for this um almost the the most amazing i think it's no it's it's the most amazing shot i think i've ever seen so he's there it's sunday at the masters 2005 16th hole he is there with his trademark red shirt on black trousers and he is just off the green and he is literally like 90 degrees pointing away from the hole and he chips it onto the green and then the ball slowly trickles and then turns 90 degrees and rolls slowly down this very sort of faint hill and stops at the lip of the cup and then drops in, and it is the most amazing shot you've—I think I've, I've ever seen anybody playing it. I think it's only Tiger Woods could do that. The only one I didn't choose it because I think it was part of a practice round. I don't know if everyone's seen John Ram when he drives the ball and it skims across the water. Oh yeah, yeah, and then gets onto the green and then just curls around and goes straight into the hole. It's just a mad shot. Vijay Singh, I think, did the same thing as well, but it was a practice. Rains uh, Ryan, so I can't include it in this, but it's an amazing shot. This by Tiger Woods, and like I said, there are so many shots that Tiger Woods, the greatest
4: golfer I think, has ever been. Just
3: hands do, down, do you
2: follow golf, Ollie?
4: Only because of Tiger Woods, so um, mm. it defines him, but not avidly. I can't, I can't watch it. It's just again, it's e- even on the radio, it's um yeah I can you really remember this him. can you remember this shot though ollie I, I, yeah of course it's in like youtube videos and compilations yeah. isn't it and occasionally i'll watch the highlights of the of something but um i thought you were going to say his 1997 uh tour win and He became the youngest ever winner
3: i mm. mean like there, there are so many moments yeah i think true. tiger woods just has done so much for the for golf uh, mm. and for sport but that particular one, again, it's one of those ones I watch over and over again, thinking, how? How has he seen that line? And it's not—it's one thing seeing the line of a putt or seeing the line of a shot. It's another thing actually doing it and putting it on that exact line at the exact right pace so that it literally, the it's the last half-quarter roll of the ball that drops it into the cup. It's astounding, absolutely astounding. Are you a golf fan, Neil?
2: um not really. I don't really watch it. The only the only golf moment I really remember, and he he broke a record, wasn't he? it? Was Terry Wogan with his long <laughs> putt. <laughs> the longest that, putt. That's it. That that was the longest was quite impressive. televised putt. Yeah, and that was quite impressive. But that's the I've no, I've never really been you know, I've sort of seen bits of it. It's a bit like cricket to me. Um, you know, full test full match cricket, I can't seem to get into yeah, it. I don't mind the day test things and you know the day games 2020 and the yeah that's icon. all that's all all right yeah. but it's, I, I try but it just does nothing for me i think the closest i get to playing golf is on the, was on the way right <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: okay
4: uh right then ollie you're number two then please number two um i might have spoken about this before i think but um so i'll round it up rather quickly the most primitive and oldest sport of all time is running everyone can do it no excuses and this uh unless you're well unless you know what this yeah, and not um, everybody well, I like, can still
2: have a but... go, but I'll be <laughs> cheating
4: with me crushes. All right, 99.9% of people can run. And um, the fastest man that has ever lived in the history of people ran 100 metres in 9.58 seconds. It is, of course, Usain Bolt in 2009. Um, I don't know what else to say, really. It's just I think when it comes to sport, I think you've got to define one moment in the sport particularly when it's a sport when everyone that pretty much everyone has the ability to do as well. Mm. When that man's the fastest person, not just currently in the world, but that's ever lived.
2: Mm. Um And he's it, a great guy as well. Oh,
4: exactly. I, yeah.
2: You and, know, he's um, one of these sportsmen you can't help but warm to, to me, you know, and you must love him because his dream's always been to play for Man United, wasn't
4: it? Yeah. I think he has played for us in like a charity game or it it yeah. soccer aid to be fair. Um, but yeah, to just do what he's done, and in a time that's—it's not even really been close to being beaten. I don't think. No. It's uh, it's it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Mm.
3: And there is a, a lovely video of him when he uh, he's just preparing himself for races, and he's like bumping fists and shaking hands with the people that are there to give them like bits and pieces. He's he seems very humble. He's a very humble guy, but that's a, yeah, that's a good one. So that's 2009, was that that you broke the
4: record? It was. It was the year after the 2008 Olympics. I think it was the Berlin
2: championships i think say. Right. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Lovely. Neil, you're number two. Well, I'm going to ask you some questions about this. This is uh, this is a Tottenham one, so no wonder I love it. It's Gazza's free kick against Arsenal in the 91 FA semi-final. Um, FA Cup, you know, semi-final. Um for obvious reasons for me, being a Tottenham fan, it's an amazing goal. It's an amazing free kick. I think Gazza was a fantastic player. I don't think there's any denying that. I'd just love to hear your two thoughts of it. Obviously, I'm going to be biased and obviously sing its praises, but I really wanted to ask your thoughts on that free kick because I think it's a marvellous and one of the best free kicks. But
4: Go on, on you you first. Oh, it's, it's certainly up there. It's immortalised, isn't it? I think mm. mainly because it was one of the last times, before the 2008 League Cup final, It's the last time Tottenham won a trophy. It was, I'm mis- yeah. It, I'm not mistaken. Um, not to rub sight in the wound. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah, but yeah, I think it's, it's immortalised for that reason. And I think it will carry... I think you, if Tottenham had won more things in the last 20 years, it probably won't be as important. Mm. Um, and then the same with England as well, to be fair. And that highlights how important Gaza was to... English football and to Spurs, to Rangers, yeah. to Lazio, who he played with in the nineties as well, and it immortalises him probably more than Tottenham. Um, but as technically as a free kick, it was a proper old school kind of eighties uh, mm. nineties kind of wallop, wasn't it, Stuart Pearce style-y. Um But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it's, it certainly
2: stands the test of time. Mm. But what do you, I mean? What about Gazza himself, Ollie? I mean, obviously he's become more known for his demons than his. Um, play, I think.
4: Yeah, I mean,
2: he just didn't have a long-standing career.
4: Mm. So No, he did George Best, to be fair. I think he retired when he was by 26. Eric Cantona retired by the time he was 30, 30, 1997. Mm. So I don't suppose that's always the case. Um, but I think with Gazza, he's, again, he's more known for the things that didn't happen mm. than for the things that did. The tears, nineteen ninety. Yeah. Um, you know, the things off the pitch, but then you know, the goal against uh Arsenal, the free kick, and then obviously the goal against Scotland in '96 as well. Yeah. So it's 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 so 50 50 so with him that he, I don't know, for I don't think for me, he's anywhere near my top 10 footballer, maybe not even the top 20, which is shocking for someone. Maybe a, I don't know for you guys where he stands, um, but yeah, it's just it's
2: a real shame because he's, he's basically a nearly man, isn't he? He's mm. he's a nearly man. Well, I think his career has completely been undone by his private life. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, whatever achievements he's had is never going to be recognised apart from his private life. But listening to people, you know, taught and they've done little sort of documentaries on him and things like that, and other footballers saying that the sheer ability of the man, you know, in training and on the pitch was like up there with, you know, the greats that we think about. And, you know, they speak about how sad it is to that it was totally eclipsed by everything else. And obviously he suffers with his own demons and everything like yeah. that, you know. We don't need to dwell on that. But I just wonder what think, you as well, but
3: I think his... That goal is like... David Seaman was in goal, wasn't he? Mm. And David Seaman, I think, was at the height of his yeah. skills and powers at that time. And Gaza put that ball the only place that David Seaman couldn't reach it. Yeah. And I I loved Gaza as a player. You, you watch... Some YouTube videos of all his best bits, whether it was for Newcastle, Rangers, Tottenham, mm. Lazio, England. England, Everton. Didn't he play for Everton?
4: He did. And Middlesbrough. It, yeah.
3: And Middlesbrough. The stuff that he did was. Like, if Messi was doing that, it would be lauded as that is amazing. The way mm. that he would dance around players as if they weren't there, the skill that the guy had, he literally had the world at his feet. He could have done anything. Mm. And unfortunately, he took that other path where I think it was a bit like we said about Emma County. It was like those other little glittery things, you know, that were over here and over there. It just took him away from the football. Mm. Um the, the worst thing he could have done was decide to go to Italy. I think I think he could have just stayed at Tottenham. He could have been a Tottenham legend like Glenn Hoddle. yeah, he probably could have taken Tottenham to win him more than just you know one other trophy between now and then. He was a genius, but like a lot of these geniuses, like you said, Ollie about George best there's all they've all got this little streak of the devil in them Mm -hmm. and sometimes it can it can be the best thing for them sometimes it can be that what destroys them and unfortunately that was for Gaza as well but you look at him on YouTube at his prime uh, Mm -hmm. it's just something to behold One, one of the greatest players ever but I don't think you could ever put him in the top 10 greatest players ever because the potential wasn't fulfilled there no that's the that's the problem with someone like um someone like gaza and i'm sure that's one of the reasons why he probably has troubles mentally even now he'll he'll think back on his career and think god the things i could have done Mm. and you know it's it's sad sad. it's very Uh, sad uh so my number two um something i never thought i'd see in my lifetime uh and it was the moment that Liverpool clinched the Premier League for the first time in 2019. I just had to put that in there because, again, I remember, I think we played Chelsea and obviously this was the forgotten season. This was the season behind closed doors because of COVID. But I think we played Chelsea and we beat them, I think, somewhere like 5-2 and that's what clinched the title for us. And I was sat at home watching Anfield uh, with my boy and... Obviously, I never. I don't know about you guys. When it was when they were showing those matches, they'd have piped in sounds and when someone scored, they'd put. I would never watch it with that. I just have the the
2: because it just sounded terrible. But either way, it was weird,
3: wasn't it? Oh, either way, it was weird. But I just couldn't have this sort of like synthetic crowd (laughs) sound going. It was just ridiculous. Um. But it was it was very emotional, and the only thing, like I say, it was great to win the league. And we've had a couple of chances since then to where we probably should have won the league. Um, it's just a shame that it wasn't a full Anfield because uh, it is such the one time we've won it in since 1990, and there was nobody there, and that's just very very sad. And I don't think the way things are going now that we're going to get close to it
4: again now for a long long time unless we spend a bit of money in the summer. But. I don't know, I reckon, reckon Pep stays numbers, numbers and uh, as soon as he goes, it's a completely different Man City team, and then it's the one's game, really. Do you think? So so how
3: far do you think like United are
4: from getting back to the top? It all depends on the new owners, I'm afraid to say. Um, you look what happened to Man City in 2008-09, when they got new owners, so they got a new stadium, a new training grounds, completely read on the infrastructure of the academy, And uh, were very selective about who they brought in. Similar to what Newcastle are doing at the moment as well, to be fair. Um, And they injected money in. Although, as we might now know, (laughs) fair play rules might come up and uh, catch up with them. Um, So I don't know, really. It all depends on the manager as well. Ten Hag's doing a fantastic job. So how far off are we? I think we need a striker. We need another right back. We need a couple more midfielders as well. I think they play, play so many games now as well. If you've got European football as well, it's every three days you're playing a match. Yeah, that's at, right. At the, at the at the highest level, um, so it's a very difficult thing to do. That's why I don't think the treble will be done again, or no. it will be done again. It won't be for another hundred years or something. Yeah, I um, So I don't. I think we're far off, but at the same time, you never know if Leicester could do it in 2016. Um, and you know, by all accounts, we've got a pretty good squad still. Mm. And if uh, Rashford could keep his scoring boots on, the stars could align. But I don't see it happening for a few years. Yeah, you know, it very much it doesn't depend on what we do. It depends what happens to other teams. If I yeah, think so. I, and I think I think Liverpool are in the same boat as well.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, you know, Man City. Harland <laughs> Harland scored five last night, mm. um, but Man City is still second. So you know you've got that kind of weapon in your, in your arsenal, and uh, you can still be second. It's, it's 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 never been tighter.
3: No, I agree.
2: And Neil, Tottenham. So no, I, there's. Uh, I think ours is deeper. It's, it's it's the back rooms. There's there's something really wrong. Um, you, think, you think Harry Kane will leave? I don't think he will. To be honest, now you know he's thirty now. I mean, he's not going to get. The, if he if he was going to have left, it would have been the time that Man City were trying to get him. I, I just don't think he will now. You know, he he said in an interview. Um, I can't remember where that, you know, one of his achievements is to become the Premier League's top scorer. Uh, he would like to do that. And he feels that would outweigh any silverware. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I I would like to think he would stay. I think we need to get rid of Levy, to be honest. And that's, that's where our problems yeah. will stop. Um, you know, Poch did really well and then everything went downhill and off he went. I mean, Mourinho was just Mourinho and I don't even know why we bothered with him. We've got Conte at the moment who's supposedly a genius, but I, I have to question some of his tactics that he uses and, you know, the formations that he plays. And I think, I don't know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot still wrong, but yeah. there could be a lot right there. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You could see. I mean, we've got, I think we've got such a fantastic stadium at the moment. It's such a good stadium. And all, all that infrastructure is there, and everything's great like that, but something is off. Mm. And it still is. And it's been for a while. Never mind, mate. It's all right. You know, but I still, I still support them. But <laughs> it's just absolutely. Frustrating,
3: yeah. Of course, yeah. absolutely. Okay, before we uh, reveal our number ones, uh, Ollie, do you want to give us your countdown from 10 to 2? Neil will do the same, and then I'll do the same.
4: No worries. Number 10 was the uh, tragic crash at Imola for Ayrton Senna in 1994. Uh, number nine was Ronnie O'Sullivan's uh, five-minute, eight-second, one-four-seven. Number eight was uh, Man United winning the treble, Saint-Charles winning goal against Bayern Munich. Uh, number seven was Boris Becker winning Wimbledon in 1985. Number six was the Zinedine Zidane headbutt of the World Cup final 2006. Number five, the rumble in the jungle between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. Number four was Carlos Alberto's World Cup winning goal in 1970 for Brazil. Number three, the hand of God, and number two, Usain Bolt's 9.58 second 100 meter record.
2: Wonderful. Gone there, Neil. Go so number ten you. is Big Daddy versus Giant Haystacks, 18th of June 1981. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> number nine, England winning the 66 World Cup. Number eight is GB Super Saturday in the 2012 Olympic Games. Number seven is Andy Murray winning Wimbledon 2013. Number six, Leicester City winning the Premier League in 2016. Number five, five is Ronnie O'Sullivan is uh, a fast break. Number four is Man City winning the Premier League 2012. Number three, Tyson versus Bruno, in February the 25th, 1989. Number two is Gazza's free kick against Arsenal in the 91 FA Cup semi-final. Lovely. Uh, Mine is number 10, Muhammad
3: Ali with the Olympic Torch at the 96 Atlanta uh, Olympics. Nine, Firmino scores number seven versus Man United in the Premier League 2023. Number eight, Ronnie O'Sullivan's five-minute, eight-second, 147 in the World Championships. Seven, Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson, Tokyo Dome, 11th of February, 1990. At number six, Aguero. Number five, Didi Haman coming on for Harry Kure in the 2005 Champions League. Four, Dennis Taylor pot in the final black versus Steve Davis in 1985. Three, Tiger Woods shot on the 16th green and the Masters 2005. And number two, the moment Liverpool clinched the Premier League for the first time since 1990. So, Ollie, what is your number one sporting moment of all time?
4: well it's funny how you two have both mentioned him, but for two different reasons, so allow me to complete the hat trick when I mentioned Mike Tyson for a third time okay. in nineteen ninety seven in the rematch <laughs> between him and Evander Holyfield yeah, he pretty much became a bit of a cannibal and he, did. he uh, became hungry bit off evander holyfield's um ear becoming the first boxer since nineteen forty one to be disqualified no. Yeah.
2: Of course, yeah. I was in America when that happened.
4: Oh, really? It? Yeah,
2: no I wasn't watching the fight. I no,
4: okay, no worries. But still,
2: DC. yeah, it was an amazing thing. Yeah,
4: I it think was it
2: was un- well, unbelievable. <laughs>
4: before Twitter, before Facebook, and before yeah. anything became sort of viral in the uh, quotation marks, yeah, this was the big. We just had the Gary Lineker sort of scandal, if you call that thing, and that's been dominating the news for last week. Mm. This dominated the news. And I was only a kid at the time for what seemed like months, if not years, because he had his boxing license taken away from him. Mm. And this was the, this was the, you know, putting the final nail in the coffin for what was a cemented, arguably the most deadliest man on the planet with two fists. Yeah. This was the beginning of his downfall potentially. Yeah. And, um, Again, Evander Holyfield had beaten him in the first fight a year previously, so this was one of the most anticipated matches of all time—boxing matches or Um, fights—and for what to happen, happen. I don't think anyone could have predicted that. No,
3: no, it was just inconceivable, wasn't it? It wasn't like he was really losing the fight either, was it? It It wasn't. It wasn't like he was on the ropes as such. They were just in a. I mean, he might not have been. Because he wasn't at his peak then, was he? No,
4: well, he argues that Holyfield kept headbutting him. Now, Tyson fans will back him on that. I think boxing purists will say he was just making excuses. Yeah. But I think it was the thought... Because I think Tyson, he lost three times. And one of them was to Buster Douglas, the other one was to Holyfield, and then eventually this one as well. I think um, this was him realising he'd... Maybe not taking it seriously, all kind of had lost his spark, yeah. And was his way of getting out of it without happened. What happened to him against Buster Douglas, where he kind of looked a bit stupid, rolling around on the floor in 1990. So um, I think it was his get out of jail free card. Although it kind of put him in jail in a weird way. Yeah, but, um, yeah.
2: It certainly was the start of his downfall, wasn't it? it was which is such a shame
4: because I I think he is the most dangerous boxer to have ever live. As great yeah. as Tyson Fury is, I know he's undefeated. Joe Zaggy's undefeated. Rocky Masagano was undefeated. Mm-hmm. I think Mike Tyson's still the scariest man there's ever been. Oh, well, that yeah. Right just-
2: well, Tyson Fury himself said, didn't he, after that strange YouTube shit that was going on, um, that would he have fought uh, Mike Tyson? And Tyson Fury's exact answer was, "Fuck no, he'd have killed <laughs> me." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, he just looked like a caged animal that was just mm. ready to, just ready to. Well, didn't he have one of uh, Didn't he have the hardest punch or the hardest hitting punch? At, I think, think he still time? has the
4: record for highest knockout mm. rate. So he was yeah. knocking out people in first rounds consistently. I think his first thirty fights were all yeah. knockouts. So if you look at most boxes, whether it be Deontay Wilder, Joshua, or any of the heavyweights, or Lennox Lewis, I think they. On average, most of their first ten fights are probably like all knockouts and they they start to get decisions. Yeah. Tyson consistently, first thirty pro fights just wouldn't go more than two rounds and even like, you know,
2: Mayweather and no no one else could do mm. that. Crazy. Uh go on the nil, you're number one. So, again, this is a very special time for me. I was 10 years old when this happened. It was Ricky Veer's goal against Man City in the 81 FA Cup final. It was the replay, of course, in the 76th minute. A pass from Veer from from Tony Gavin, wasn't it? And uh, he skipped past the four defenders and put it in the goal. And there, my true, true love started. Uh, What more can I say? It was great for me. Don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. It was my greatest sporting moment.
3: It was a great goal it was especially the fact job. that he got cause he got substituted in the actual FA Cup final didn't he, and he yeah
2: and this was the thursday night wasn't this it this was a thursday night mm-hmm. yeah replay
3: oh god those were the days
2: yeah
3: god. but yeah i remember it so great well great final as well
2: it was a great, was oh, a great, great re- final. replay anyway yeah and for us you know it was two years on the bounce then wasn't it so yeah great great times for us and uh, I actually, I mean, I didn't get to, see, I, I saw Ricky Beer. He didn't play when I went to see him for the very first time when I was taken to see Tottenham, but I did get to see Aussie. I did get to see Hoddle and, and some of the greats like that. So I've sort of seen them play, not with the greatest of teams they were playing against at the time, but yeah. I was is that back. the greatest
3: FA Cup final that you've
2: ever seen? The, to me it is, But yeah. because I don't know whether that's, you know, rose-tinted glasses and everything, but for me it was, Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, the fact that it went over the, the you know, we had the the replay, um, something they would never consider now, would they? I don't think, you know, no. uh, it was just magical. You know, I was I was 10 years old. I was in, you know, I had my... Perfect Hodl, prime time. I had Hoddle yeah. on the back of my shirt back then when my parents bought me my first ever football kit and yeah. things like that, you know, which I wish I still had that football top. But I just haven't yeah, got it. Item it. was a collector's item.
4: Gold was iconic for... A few reasons, because it kind of paved the way for foreign players to come to England as well, which the yeah. included. So you could argue without that goal, you might not have the uh, talents in the Premier League you'd have now. Completely agree. Completely yeah.
3: agree. Good one. Uh, my number one, now this may not be well known, um, but pressure can do a lot of weird things to somebody. And even something that looks very, very simple can end up being just a, a total disaster. So this is Scott Hawk. The 1989 Masters, he had a two-foot putt versus Nick Faldo in the first playoff hole to win the Masters. Now, what? watch the video of this from every angle you can, and you think how it's... I think mean it's less than two feet. It's probably 18 inches. And you think all he's got to do is literally tap the ball, and it goes just to the left of the hole. <laughs> And he ends up just making that putt and then loses the playoff on the next hole to Nick Faldo uh, and loses the Masters. And I was watching this. This wasn't going to be my number one, but I could remember because I was watching the Tiger Woods stuff. And I saw this one and I thought, this has got to be my number one sporting moment because I don't think anybody... Have you ever heard of Scott Hawk, the golfer? No. Exactly. It's because he missed this putt and he never won the Masters. God knows what would have happened... In regards to his career, if he'd have you know, he'd have got the green jacket. He'd have been forever immortalized as one of the greatest you know players of golf because he got a green jacket, which Mm. only happens if you win the Masters. Watch the video because you look at it and you think how you literally you just have to tap the ball. You've just got to tap it, and I can't. And it's obviously pressure, the pressure Mm. of it. But you can't. I can never transfer myself into that thinking but maybe he's just so nervous that he can't even hold the the the, the club properly. I don't know. Has he
2: ever, has he ever spoken about it in interviews? Or oh,
3: I don't know. More, more than know. likely. I'm sure. I'm say. sure. I'm sure. No, I mean, he's I not the first person that. to miss a short putt. But no. There was so much riding on it. That's the thing. I need to have uh, a look at that. I yeah. didn't
2: know about that. You see, yeah. there we
3: go. That's my naivety on... Well, I'll tell you what you need to do, mate, is join our Patreon. It'll be <laughs> on the <a> video playlist.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and you can do it. Right, we've got some honorable mentions um uh, at ftlol podcast said great topic bolts record breaking 100 meters time in 2009 where it seemed inevitable he would do it uh also mo Farah's 2012 5000 meter win uh, at hugo uh, that's uh, rick hello rick who was last week's um uh, guest. Uh, the Man United treble, 1999. Mm. There you go. Uh, at this one, Samantha said Paul Gascoigne's tears during the 1990 World Cup semi final. We all felt his emotions for that day, for sure. Legend. And uh, ah, my favorite Twitter guy, oh, I'm assuming it's a guy. Uh, just remind you that this is spelt with PH. Uh, it's at FatFuck4. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So, uh, Solskjaer scoring the winner against Bayern to win the Champions League and treble. Stu Grant says, Mankind thrown from the top of a hell in a cell. I'm assuming that's wrestling. Oh,
4: that's a gr- that's a great shout, to be fair. Is it?
3: Explain that. So, to me. I
4: think it was in 1998. So, it was The Undertaker against Mankind. So, um, obviously, Undertaker, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, WWE. Um, and this is in the late, late 90s, the era of wrestling that was quite violent and there was a lot of blood and it was all about, you know, um, that kind of very harsh punishment kind of style of wrestling, not the kind of kid-friendly PG stuff you get nowadays. Right. And um, basically the Hell in a Cell, which is a bit like a cage, but goes around the outside. And um, Undertaker chokeslammed mankind off the top of it, which must have been 20 feet onto the commentator's table. Oh, right. Um, and it's just one of those moments that's replayed time and time again. If you go, If you go into a wormhole of wrestling YouTube... It's one of those what-the-fuck moments, and it's spoken about as probably the the height of WWF.
3: Okay, Mm. I might sneak that onto the video playlist then, because I I won't mind seeing that one anyway. Okay, (laughs) Dennis
4: Taylor winning the world
3: snooker title, the Lionesses winning the Euros, Messi winning the World Cup, Jordan coming back and winning the NBA Championships again, Stone Cold beer bath, Arsenal's unbeaten season, and Wimbledon winning the FA Cup in 88. That's not... Well on wow. that one uh, Maria yeah. Pereira says uh, Beans heartbreak uh, Malcolm Butler's interception on the Patriots one yard line in the final moments of Super Bowl 49 in 2015 effectively stealing the Seattle Seahawks win from them heartbreaking and amazing at the same time I stayed up and watched that Super Bowl uh, that was an amazing Super Bowl I must admit the Seahawks and the Patriots uh, at Joshy McSquashy Blackburn winning the Premier League <laughs> uh, Josh those were the days, eh? <laughs> well, there you go. We did it. Sports moments done and in the bag. Um, before we say our goodbyes, Neil, are you ready? Yes. Uh, how, how's the we... leg? How's the leg bearing up? I've noticed not you've been bit... up and down a couple of times. Yeah, I've so had right? to get
2: some blood into the bottom of my leg, so I'll be on to my injection next. I'm still okay? on. Yeah, I, I have to inject myself. Uh, in serious. Uh, yeah, oh, no, God. to keep the blood thinners going, so circulate. Yeah. That's a girl. Yeah, uh, just as we say, look, there's my dumping bin and everything. There it is. There it
3: is. All I'll
2: really. do it I'll do it for Patreon. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs>
3: God, we're going to go through the roof. Yeah. But, uh, so go yeah. On, tell everybody so, how they can I'm get in touch right. with us. Yes, on, uh, of course.
2: You can find us all on social media at top10pods. Email us at top10pods at hotmail.com. Come and help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash top 10 with there's all sorts of rewards you can reap your hands all over and enjoy check out all of the links via the link tree you can find the link in the show notes so please do come subscribe leave us a review and re- rating wherever you get your podcast from oh it's like you've never been away uh, it's nice it's to like you've back. never been away it's nice yeah. to see you as well ollie yeah thank you it's I nice to. So well, yeah hope yeah. you guys
4: are on the mend neil
2: oh uh, i'm certainly on the right path let's put it this way when pav came over to visit me at christmas time i was not going anywhere very fast or moving yeah. anywhere i was basically yeah. stuck on the sofa sleeping on the sofa and yeah uh but bless my family and friends they've all been rocks and helped me
0: good fair very, place. very good, trying good. time
2: and advice to anyone listening to this Don't do it. Do not break your kneecap. Trust me. Break other bones if you must, but don't do the kneecap. If you take anything away from this one podcast, please
3: take that shining bit of advice from Neil. Don't break your kneecap.
2: They've even told me it's the toughest one of the toughest breaks to it uh, that you have to fix. So it's a, it's a classic gangster thing, isn't it? We'll get your kneecaps, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it's exactly
4: why. <laughs> right. My specialist actually oh. said
2: to me, That's a, there's a reason why they torture people with the yeah. kneecaps, and you felt it. I said if on that night, if you said you could get rid of the pain, I'd have told you anything. Goodness. So there me. you go. Don Neil. And on yeah. that bombshell, um, remember to go and check
3: out Ollie's uh, TikTok and Instagram channel. Um, I'm sure the next time we speak to you, you'll be at one million. I'll have never spoken to somebody well, that's got one million followers before.
4: Well, we'll sign a contract, get the boxing on the way, I'll be on the uh, the old event next time. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Oh, Ollie, no. thanks so much for joining us, mate. It's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, I enjoy this so much and uh, again I've been listening to you as I sleep. Oh. Again, not in a bad way. So um <laughs> uh yeah, next keep time, up your work. Next
3: time you're on, we'll pick something that's not sporting related. Oh, you can how about just, that there we go should we do that happy, happy to come back yeah absolutely yeah we'll do that so I'm, you haven't got to hear oh that's the wrong <laughs> one, one. <laughs> yes <Shit>.
2: <laughs> pause <laughs> ends now
3: you know? ends oh, now that one you haven't got to hear that one again we'll, we'll make sure that. for definite okay so Neil thank you very much mate lovely to see you back
2: thank you very much Pat. thank you very much Ollie. great to see you mate look yes. forward to the next one thank you very much
3: Ollie. thank you very much everybody for listening and watching and let's start the countdown 10
1: 9